Hi, welcome to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part recap, part review, and there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! Hi, this is your host M, and this is episode 24 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. Thanks for joining me. Welcome if you're new, and welcome back if you've been here before. In this episode, we will be talking about Bite Me, episodes 6 through 11, which is the final episode. There is a special, I believe, next week, but this is the final of the show. Bad Buddy, episodes 1 and 2. Ingredients, just kind of a first look kind of thing. Remember You, episode 1, which is a Thai drama. And Secret Royal Inspector and Joy, (laughs) which is a Korean drama. We're looking at episode 1. So bite me. So I'm actually going to kind of be talking about bite me and ingredients sort of together, but bite me episodes six through 11. So in episode five, we had had that bit of misunderstanding between Aye. I, I really don't. I. It's funny. I hear different pronunciations of his name in the show. So, but I'm going to go with Aye and Ake. They had a little misunderstanding. Aye traveled up to Ake's hometown in episode five and stayed over in his house and everything. So episode six, they're kind of working through getting to know each other again become friendly with each other again is also what I consider kind of an advertisement for Thailand and I don't really mean that in a negative way but it's just interesting they're showing a Buddhist temple the inside of a Buddhist temple they show Oye and Ake kind of traveling around there are more food shots because of course this is you know a show about chefs and I've said before whoever kind of designed those shots like does a really amazing job in this episode it's pretty slow which is <laughs> par for the course which with this show everything's pretty slow but Oye and Ake have a chance to or it seems like they have a chance to really talk to each other and you get the sense in episode six that they're coming to some sort of an understanding with each other but it kind of doesn't really turn out to be the case because things happen in later episodes where it makes it seem almost almost as if they weren't really clearing the air they weren't really understanding each other back in the earlier episodes such as episode six and seven and so forth episode seven I personally find a little more interesting. Ake is continuing to learn from Oye because in episode six, we see that he's agreed to actually join the chef competition that he wasn't sure about before. So he's kind of practicing and going over with Oye uh, what it is that he, the possibilities for what he can do in the chef contest. While they are practicing at one point, Oye gets a phone call and it turns out to be from his older brother and he goes off to speak to him alone. And they have this interesting, Oye and his older brother have these, have this interesting conversation with each other. So basically Aye's brother came to really look at Ake to see him because he had heard from their mom about who Aye liked, who he had a crush on, whatever. But the conversation, it's funny, I didn't quite focus on this the first time I watched it, but then I looked back at it because it's been a while since I'd seen the episode, but I looked back at it to talk about it in this podcast. The thing that struck me in their conversation was, first of all, that the brother knew about his feelings and I I really like that the family is this supportive of him but it comes up in conversation that Oye is 32 his character is actually older than I thought so I'm they I don't think they ever actually say how old Ake is but I had thought he was like 20 and that Oye was the actor's age which would have been 29 but so there's even even more of an age gap between them than I thought but that's kind of what I had focused on but actually in looking back at this conversation his brother is a doctor 
character and he talks to him about how important it is to tell the truth and that you should kind of be upfront because he's talking to him about his feelings, how you should kind of be upfront about things. That that's what he does as a doctor. He tells the truth and he's upfront about the situation. Oye listens to him and kind of agrees, but he doesn't actually tell Ake what he's feeling. I realize now that that's important later because it there's misunderstanding between them later. And probably if he had from the beginning told Ake what he was feeling, maybe that later thing might not have happened. I don't know. But we see in this conversation with his brother that he's really scared to tell his feelings. And which I thought was interesting because I, I'm thinking of a younger person watching who some people think as they get older, they're going to have everything figured out. <laughs> it's not necessarily true. I mean, some people do, but some people don't. So he's 32 and he's still figuring things out. He's still figuring himself out. They don't actually say here when he knew that he was gay or if he always knew. They don't really go into that that much, but he's trying to figure that out. He's scared just in general, gay, straight, whatever. He's just scared about being vulnerable and showing his feelings towards someone. And then there also is that age gap factor there as well. His older brother also advises him to tell Eve the truth. I'm actually glad that they said here he says to him she's your friend like tell her because I think this is a thing with the actress I didn't get the sense that they were friends <laughs> she doesn't have a wide range of expressions and this is something that I know you notice later on as well when she reappears so maybe she was trying to be sad or whatever but she comes across as if she's kind of the bad guy and she really isn't as you see when you when you watch the show further but just she wasn't emoting very well and I'm probably gonna say this pretty often in this podcast, but I don't know that I necessarily land this at the feet of the actress. This may be the director's issue with this, that he's not getting this from her. We also get to see in this episode who will be Oya's rival in the chef contest, and that's Chef Mu, who we see also, as it turns out, has a history not just with Oye, but who has a history with Nuna. That's her ex-boyfriend. But we get to see some flashbacks of, it's more than a rivalry. Chef Mu is just really down on Oye, and and Oya's not kind of responding. It's not his way to to respond negatively in this way and to just be a bad guy. He's a good guy. That's why all his, you know, all his staff loves him and he doesn't believe in kind of cheating or putting people down. It's not his way. But he does take things to heart and you see he is emotionally affected by his interaction with Chef Mu, who comes to the restaurant just to cause trouble, basically. He really doesn't come there for a reason except just to cause trouble. But the flashback is interesting just because we get to see that uh, Oye and Nuna, you know, know each other from way back in their previous restaurant and choose to start in this new restaurant together. And it explains the relationship between them and why they're kind of very supportive of each other as well. Our second couple also kind of gets going here because Egg's friend Vic gets a job at the restaurant. Well, he's working there because he's doing his photography photography project but that puts him in closer contact with Prem and you know their thing kind of gets going. Episode 8 the chef concept gets going things go well for Ake everyone's feeling celebratory and Oye makes a very big miscalculation in his relationship with Ake and it causes them to or it causes Ake to you know just run off and they spend episode 9 apart from each other. Both of them hurting they're really to be honest Oye 
kind of messed up in this one. <laughs> it's a pretty big mistake. But Ake also, you know, has a lot to work through. And he has a lot to work through too because, as I said before, he's vulnerable, he's scared, but he is older. He has a little bit more life experience and is kind of working through things. But for Ake, this is just very new. Everything is very new for him and he doesn't really know how to respond. He doesn't know how to feel. He doesn't know if he's misinterpreting things. And he's also super close to his mom and doesn't know how his mom would feel about his feelings towards, oh yeah. So basically it causes him to just completely freak out. Understandably, his reaction maybe you could think is right or wrong or whatever, but I think it's pretty understandable that he is just, just completely just doesn't even know what to do. Now, I'm not really going to talk about episode 11 because my feelings about episode 11 are somewhat of my feelings towards episode 10 and somewhat of my feelings for the show in general. Episode 10, after they've been separated for a while in episode 9, they do finally kind of get together in episode 10, but you feel as if chunks are missing and they get together, but there's no kind of transition. So we see Ake speaking to his mom and kind of figuring things out that way. He spoke to Vic, you know, to try to help him figure things out, but they just suddenly forgive each other and without an explanation to each other of what happened. Aoi and Ake, they don't really talk about what it was that happened between them. And it's so strange because the show has been so slow up until this point. This is, I've, I've said this before, it is super slow. So it is so strange to me that a show that is so slow cannot take the time to show how they have forgiven each other or how they've talked about what happened and try to work through it, whatever. They don't even show it. And episode 11, also has this kind of like chunks missing almost almost a rushed feel and if the entire show had been kind of rushed in that way you'd be like okay well that's the show but no the show has been super slow and then all of a sudden in these last two episodes when you really want to see slowly what is going on what has happened all of a sudden it's rushed to the point where episode 11 almost even doesn't feel like a complete episode and at the end you're just kind of like that's it and then they show a little preview that it, there's going to be a special so you're like okay they're going to wrap this up but no actually the special just looks like it's behind the scenes kind of stuff so that ending for episode 11 appears to be the actual ending it's very disappointing this show i found disappointing in many ways and it's not the acting it's not the acting for the most part the acting was fine uh zung or zung and i'm not sure how you pronounce it and mark had really good chemistry with each other they are not an issue whatsoever um the other characters i really liked nuna's character a lot she's the manager of the restaurant the one who had worked previously with aa and they had the history with each other i really liked her a lot i really liked the relationship that ake had with mother I you know I thought there was good chemistry between them all the other people in the restaurant were lovely all of that stuff the acting was fine even the bad guys were fine Eve the actress who played Eve I'm not too sure about but I had so many kind of issues in the choices the directions th that the director made for the show that even the problem that I had with Eve I'm not even sure if that was the actress because I haven't seen her in anything else or 
if that was the director telling her do this or do that. And that's why her character maybe didn't come across as it should. Also, gameplay was in this. I kind of feel bad he's not in Ken and Porsche anymore because it seemed to be from the tweet that he couldn't do Ken Porsche because he was doing this. I mean, that could be the reason. Or just be, it could just be because Ken Porsche was having problems and he just took this as a reason. But if it really was a scheduling conflict and he couldn't do Ken Porsche because of this, I'm just not sure about that decision. Because this, I, I don't know that it's going to advance his career in any way. His character didn't really do much. Even at the end, they kind of tried to give him a romantic storyline that just really came out of left field. So just all in all, there was so much potential here to the show that it just wasn't lived up to. And I mentioned I was going to talk about ingredients here. I'm actually not going to delve too much into ingredients because I've only seen a few episodes so far, even though I've been saying I'm going to watch it forever. But the reason I kind of wanted to talk about it was because it's similar in some ways to Bite Me because Bite Me is heavily focused on food, on chefs, and you get to see them preparing food a lot, etc. And these are things that you also see in ingredients. And in ingredients, we've got gameplay was actually in ingredients. He's one of the main characters and Jeff is the other character or the other actor, I should say. For the actual characters, Jeff is playing Win, and then gameplay plays Tops and Wynn is a musician. Tops is a chef. In Ingredients, they both are in need of a roommate and they wind up living together. And as they live together, they start developing feelings towards each other. Gameplay and Jeff have really good chemistry together. But like I said, bite me. The issue is not chemistry. The issue is not acting at all. That's not the issue. Ingredients is basically like one big commercial, but it's done well. Episodes are only 20 minutes long. And I kind of wonder if that's part of the issue with Bite Me. Bite Me, the episodes were about an hour long, or I should say less than an hour, maybe like 45 minutes. Ingredients, like I said, is 20 minutes. And I'm wondering if for a cooking show, if that format just works a little better, if you're going to so heavily emphasize the cooking. Ingredients never feels like it's going on too long. Each episode, each episode, at least the ones I've seen, are just a nice, short, little, quick story. We've got the interaction between the main leads. We've got the the chemistry being front and center. We're seeing it. We still get to see a little bit of what Jeff try, is trying to do as a musician. We get to see a little bit of top uh, trying dishes and so forth as a chef, and it just really works. Yeah, ingredients. Some of the later episodes are longer, like almost a twenty minutes. But actually, the first few episodes or so are they're not even like ten minutes, I think. And you can find it if you want to check it out. You can find on Central Food TV on YouTube. So basically, like I said, the series is like one big commercial. But even these short episodes have a beginning, middle, end to it. And they never feel like they're stretching the story to fit the amount of episodes. I almost feel like with Bite Me, they really ran out of story in episode six or so. <laughs> and then stretched it out to get to 11 episodes, which is why you have the awkward slow speaking or whatever. It just was not natural. And this is probably a directorial choice. I haven't finished Ingredients, but if you're interested in watching a cooking show or whatever, I would almost say just watch Ingredients. It's funny because clearly they were working, I think, with less of a budget. They are mostly in their home, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me, but they're mostly in their home. So it's not a humongous set. It's strange. I, I actually have kind of skipped around a little bit, not recently, but previously in here. So I know they do have scenes in other places, but they're not spending a ton on, on sets for 
ingredients. In episode zero of ingredients, they talk about how it is that they came to be roommates. Episode one, Jeff, I keep calling him Jeff, when <laughs> has a little bit of a bad day and you see Tops is cooking and kind of this, you know, food makes you feel better kind of thing. It's just ingredients. It's just cute and short and sweet. And I guess kind of proof that you can film a show that really is basically one big commercial, but still do it well. <laughs> and it's actually interesting to see because we've got, as it as it just coincidentally turns out, we've got gameplay being in both series, we do get to see the difference between when it's something directing towards his strength versus whatever the director was doing in Bite Me. In Ingredients, he's very natural. The character is very natural. Now, it could also be, I believe, Tops. The character is Tops, but uh, gameplay, I believe, was himself a chef. Maybe just because he's doing so much of that in ingredients and it's just natural to him. It, his character just comes across very genuine, very natural, etc. Et Whereas the character in Bite Me is just not given much to do and his strengths as an actor are not shown or anything. It's just kind of a waste of his talent and it's the waste of a lot of people's talents on Bite Me. It's a shame because I really wanted to like the show. And I don't really want to come down really hard on the show because I like, like I said, the actors and the characters and the chemistry, but it was just so much potential to it that that was lost. So if you're going to choose between the two, I would say go with ingredients. Now I'm going to move on to talking about Bad Buddy. Bad Buddy is a Thai BL and it is starring Om. You may recognize him from He's Coming to Me which he played opposite Singto in that. And then, well, he's been in many things, but he was in The Shipper, which I had mixed feelings about. I actually didn't even finish watching that one. And then he was also in Make It Right, Make It Right 2. He's been in many things. So he is, I guess, a veteran in the in dramas and BLs for being a young actor. Nanon, who's the other actor in Bad Buddy, has also been in many things, but I believe this is his first BL and actually it's funny and looking I'm look kind of looking at my drama list as I'm as I'm speaking here and I didn't realize he has a guest role at some point in the show Remember You which is the show I'm going to be touching upon next in this podcast so anyway he plays Nanon plays Pram in Bad Buddy and Om is playing Pat. And Pran and Pat grew up as neighbors and their parents cannot stand each other. And they've been carrying on this feud just forever. And because of it, Pran and Pat are sort of feuding with each other, but not really. It's really their parents that are the issue. But there's a lot of misunderstanding between them. They belong to kind of two rival groups in the university who are always fighting each other. So they kind of fight each other, but they have a history together so that really they don't want to be fighting each other. It's just like circumstances and their parents that have made them be kind of at odds with each other. This drama is on GMM TV on YouTube and it's been anticipated for a while. And due to COVID, of course, <laughs> they just, you know, there were delays in filming and producing, etc. And I've, I've been wanting to see it and, but I was a little bit leery after Bite Me because Bite Me, I was waiting for too because I wanted to see Mark and see how he was, was going to do. And, you know, I've ranted enough in this episode, you know, I was kind of disappointed by the execution of the show of what happened. So for Bad Buddy, I was just like, oh no, I don't know what to expect. But I was pleasantly surprised. I really, really enjoyed 
episodes one and two of Bad Buddy. I think Nanon and Om have really good chemistry with each other. To be honest, I have not seen Om not have chemistry with someone. <laughs> so I guess I'm not surprised by that, but I wasn't sure how Nanon or I, Nanon, I don't know the pronunciation, wasn't sure how he would do this being his first BL. Sometimes people look like a bit awkward or whatever, but he's been totally fine so far. There's nothing romantic going on so far at all, but they have really good chemistry with each other. They're really good with their facial expressions. They're really good about showing kind of like a conflicted emotions that they're feeling because they have all this family history between them and they know they shouldn't really be even talking to each other or getting along. But you could tell that they both have these feelings about each other that are not negative feelings like their families would want them to have. And you know, it's only a matter of time before feelings change. And it'll be interesting to see who is the first one to break, quote unquote, to to show their feelings or admit their feelings first. I'm feeling right now that it's probably going to be Pat because I think Pram already kind of has some feelings. He almost shows, uh, the actor almost shows a kind of yearning for wanting to be together. And I'm not talking about romantically, I'm just speaking about friendship. A yearning to have a friendship with Pat. You can see it on the actor's face, on Pram's face. Because of that, because he's a little more obvious to me right now, I feel like it'll probably be Pat who does it, who, who breaks first. Pat is a little more forceful is the word that's coming to mind, but it's not, that's not a good word because I don't mean this in a negative way, but he's just, I think the one who is more willing or more able to maybe say what he's feeling. Pram, I think, keeps more inside. And we see in episode two, they show a flashback to there's a period in, the, in their life where they are separated from each other. And I think during that period of his life, Pram kind of retreated into his shell as far as Pat was concerned. And I think it's going to possibly make him more cautious than Pat. It'll be interesting to see. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm completely off base, but it'll be interesting to see what they do and how their relationship develops. Pram already has kind of a cheerleader in Pat's sister who does not want Pat fighting with Pram or anything like that. She really thinks they should be getting along. So he's kind of already got someone on his side on the inside, but their parents are going to be a giant, giant obstacle for, again, I'm not even talking about romance, for even a friendship developing between them, but they have to figure out how to work together, not just in terms of resolving feelings, but also because as I said before, they they belong to two rival gangs. They're not really gangs, but two rival groups, let's say, in the school. Of course, one of them is an engineering student, which I believe it's Pat is an engineering student. Pram is an architecture student. And their groups are, are constantly fighting each other. And they are warned by an administrator in the school that they cannot fight. You know, there will be consequences if they get into any more fights. So Pat and Pram are starting to try to figure out how to work together so that their groups don't fight. But they, for some reason, can't just come out and say to the groups, we can't fight because this will get in trouble with the school. So they're doing all this behind their group's back and they're trying to save face and whatever. But by doing all this, by sneakily working together, it's of course bringing them closer together. Things are going at a good pace so far in episodes one and two. They're getting into these little, you know, hijinks and nothing too over the top so far. The parents' reactions are a little bit over the top. Sadly, I think there really are people like this. 
in the world. I would hope not because so far we actually haven't seen any terrible conflicts that is causing them to act this way. That little business rivalry in the beginning, but they've turned this into this years long conflicts between them, including Pram's parents making a really, I think, kind of drastic decision that really affected him all because of the sake of this conflict between the parents. It'll be interesting to see how the parents' relationship has to change too, because this is a BL. So at some point they're going to develop feelings for each other, the Pat and Pram. And, you know, how are the parents going to react to that? So far, it's basically a lighthearted kind of show. I wouldn't call it a comedy necessarily, but they're keeping things fairly lighthearted with some hints of angst. And I don't want them to get, I think they've got a nice balance right now. Part of the reason I stopped watching Fish Upon the Sky was that it just became too over the top with the comedic parts of it. I don't want that to happen with Bad Buddy. On the other hand, I don't want it to be super angsty, even though I actually really enjoy some angst when I'm watching some shows, but I think they've got a really good balance right now, and I hope they keep this tone for the rest of the show. And I think they're doing a good job with showing flashbacks to help us understand a little bit of the dynamics of the relationship between Pat and Pram as well. So overall, I think it's a really good start to the show. So next up is Remember You. Remember You, I kind of paid attention to just because Tawan is in there. And then I kind of realized, oh my goodness, this is the Thai remake. So the Thai title is Remember You. You can find it on Netflix, but it is a remake of a South Korean drama called I Remember You. And it's a guilty pleasure, I guess you would call it. But I Remember You is actually one of my favorite South Korean dramas. I can't even tell you any definitive reason of why that is. It just is. And I watched it when it came out. I've actually rewatched it, not in full necessarily, but various episodes a number of times over the years. And as I said, the Korean name is I Remember You. It's also known as Monster. And it stars, the Korean version stars Jang Nara as a police inspector, Seo In Guk, who plays, I can't remember his, the Korean name. They call him David on the show, but he is a detective. He's a very intelligent guy. He's a detective. The show, it's AKA Monster, AKA Hello Monster. You might also find it as Hello Monster. I see is what they call it on my drama list. If you look for it on Vicky, it's I Remember You. So he's a detective. He he was a child in South Korea. He had a little brother and they live with their father and the father passes away. His brother gets kidnapped. They are separated and he doesn't know what happened to his brother. He's got like kind of amnesia, kind of traumatic amnesia. He comes back as an, he spent some time in America. He comes back to Korea as an adult and is a detective. He does not know what has happened to his brother. What has happened to his brother in actuality is that he was kidnapped by a serial killer. His brother in the Korean version is played by Park. Park Bogum. And it is therefore a South Korean thriller. There is a serial killer around. They are trying to solve. So Nguk's character and Jang Nara's character are trying to solve that crime. At the same time, they are trying to find out who killed Jang Nara's father. Her father has passed. So Nguk has been through his own trauma. He's still trying to find his brother. His brother was a very troubled child. Troubled child raised by a serial killer. You can imagine how he may have turned out. But the chemistry between Park Bogum and So Ngook 
in this show is so good. And it's funny because if you do find um, MVs online, fan-made MVs online, they're not necessarily between Jagnara's character and Soen Guk's character. It's usually between Soen Guk and Park Vogum's characters because they work so well together. You really, really feel for Park Vogum's character. And this is a person who is serial killer slash suspected serial killer since he was raised in such a way. But he does such a good job with that character, making it a sympathetic character. And Soen Guk, who himself is not sure of his own humanity, makes you feel for him as well. Especially when he's realizing that his brother has been so emotionally damaged and then there's this question of well did the damage occur because of what happened in his life or was he born that way because there were already hints to how he was going to turn out from when he was a child even before he was kidnapped this show though i remember because i watched it when it came out did not actually have good ratings in korea so i was very shocked <laughs> to see that they had actually remade remade it and made a thai version the original came out in 2015 so it's been several years but now they've got the thai version available on Vicky and Tawan is actually playing the character of the younger brother, the character that Park Bogum played. It'll be interesting to see if he can pull off making this character a sympathetic character. Because after all, this is someone that you, you're not sure, is he, did he become a serial killer like his foster father or the person who kidnapped him or, or what, what has happened to him? So that actually takes some acting skill to make someone like that a sympathetic character, which Park Bogum did very well. But I'm not sure about Tawan. Not because I don't think he's a good actor. The things I've seen him in, I think he's fine but it's just a difficult character it's a difficult uh, thing to pull off cut the first two episodes of the thai version of remember you episode one opens with a case that our main character tanwa or tony goes to investigate while he's there i who is our female police detective that was the character that jang nara played in the korean version um arrives to investigate since they suspect it is the work of a serial killer that they're investigating she goes with her team and coincidentally they're expecting a new team member to head the team so at first when they arrive at the crime scene, they mistake Tanwa for the new team member because he right away, right away starts kind of giving orders or giving his opinions. And so they just think he's one of the team. But she does wind up recognizing him eventually. But because they knew each other as kids, he doesn't remember her because he has some memory issues. But she knows him. Tawan is a very conflicted kind of character. He's a genius, but his intelligence makes it hard for him to connect with others because most times he's one step ahead of them um, in terms of investigation and so forth and just in his thought process. Honestly, I don't even think he's really trying hard to connect with them anyway. <laughs> he really can't resist a mystery, though, and I interest him since she obviously knows him somehow, but he can't figure out how it is that she knows him. In episodes one and two, the team work on solving the case of the of the killer, the serial killer. In the meanwhile, Tawan goes back to his the house that he grew up in as a child. And through flashbacks, we get to see his memories of his time growing up there. And we learn a lot about his father, who was actually a profiler with the police department. In his father's work, the particular case that really uh, changed the course of Tanwa's life is that his father is trying to profile a serial killer. They 
they know he killed someone. They're trying to find the bodies so that they can make the case stick. And his father, being a psychologist slash profiler, is trying to work on their suspect. But during his conversations and interactions with the suspect, he begins to believe that he recognizes aspects of the serial killer's personality in his son, Tawan. And you see a lot of flashbacks of what he thinks is Tawan acting strangely. He sees Tawan burying a cat. He thinks that that's the beginning of Tawan's tendencies. He just sees these sociopathic tendencies in Tawan. But what he doesn't realize, and I keep saying Tawan, it's uh, Tanwa. What he doesn't realize is that it's actually Tanwa's younger brother who is the one who is doing these things. But because Tanwa is such an unusual child, he had this intellectual gift since he was young and the trouble connecting with people, his father thinks it's him. And this makes him very sad and very upset. And he really wants to protect Tanwa. He doesn't want him to obviously to become a criminal like like the serial killer that he is currently trying to profile. So his solution is to basically kind of lock Tanwa in the basement, like have him live in the basement to, he says, to protect him, I guess, from society, from himself, right? Because he thinks Tanwa is doing these things and he's trying to stop him from doing them and from becoming like this serial killer that he is profiling. Tanwa is a very conscientious child, always looking after his his little brother looking after his father and his father because he's so preoccupied with his worries is often forgetful about things and Tanwa has to be the one oh you forgot your papers you forgot your briefcase etc and at one point his father forgets his briefcase and Tanwa goes to the police station to give it to him and just through a series of events he winds up being alone in a room with the serial killer that his father was profiling and he and this man have a conversation and Tanwa's father returns at the tail end of the conversation I guess gets even more frightened that his son is just there talking to this to this man and the man tells him basically like I recognize myself in your son and that scares him even more which is when he winds up deciding to have Tanwa live in the basement. In the meantime, that serial killer guy obviously is a super tricky guy, winds up escaping and goes to their home and kills Tanwa's father and and also kidnapping Tanwa's little brother and leaving Tanwa with traumatic amnesia. So he actually really doesn't remember everything of the conversation that he shared with the serial killer. And I don't know if they're going to bring it up here, but in the Korean drama, we learn that he told that serial killer that the one that his father thinks he's a monster, but actually the one who is doing those things is his little brother, which is what puts Tanwa's little brother onto his radar. So they show a lot of flashbacks, a lot of memories. And if it keeps to the Korean version like the Korean version, that's going to be like a constant throughout the show, which is good because it helps explain things that happened in the past. And this character is working through things and trying to remember what happens in the past. In the meanwhile, the investigative team is trying to find the present day serial killer. And since they don't really know Tanwa and they think he's very strange, they are still suspicious of him and wondering if he might be the killer because it's his area of expertise. He's even written a best-selling book on it. They're thinking, he would know what to do. So they're still suspicious of him. So I'm enjoying it so far. You know, these first two episodes, it's kind of holding its own with the K-drama version. The Thai actress who plays the police detective, she's good so far. I don't know. It, it's Tanwa or Tony, as they call him. The Thai version, I see him is very much aligned with the K-drama version of it. I'm not seeing it as much with her, but it's kind of hard to, in some ways, replicate Jang 
because Jangna Ra has like a baby face and like a cutesy way about her that's a little difficult to replicate. But I, I think she's doing okay. This this Thai actress is doing okay so far. She just actually looks a little young, younger than the K-drama character. But I'm gonna, I'm, as I said before, it happens to be one of my favorite K-dramas. So I know I'm probably gonna be biased a little in favor of the K-drama. So I'm gonna try to keep an open mind and be objective as I watch further on in the show. Uh, Tawan is not shown up yet. It's going to be, I think, an episode or two, if they follow the K-drama version. Maybe another episode or so before that character shows up. And just before I move on to the next drama, just a little fun fact. If you decide to check out the Korean version of this, Dio from the group EXO actually plays the young version of the serial killer, which I actually watched. I think I went all the way through the show before I even realized who he was. Because I was just looking at him as an actor and not even thinking K-pop. Even though actually at one point, Jang Nara's character makes a kind of joke about EXO and I still just still didn't catch it. If you like EXO, <laughs> you might want to check out this show just to see how he does. So next up is the Korean drama Secret Royal Inspector and Joy. This can be found on Viki. Actually, did I mention? <laughs> Remember you, the Thai version can be found on Netflix, just in case I didn't mention it. But anyway, on to <laughs> Secret Royal Inspector and Joy. This one stars Taekyung, which is why I decided to check out the first episode. And I'll just say what the summary on my drama list says. First of all, it's slated for 16 episodes. And the summary says, a secret royal inspector works as an undercover official who inspects local provinces to expose corruption. He teams up with a lady who's searching for happiness by getting divorced with her current husband. The duo then go on a grand scheme to discover the truth and find corruption. So Taekyung's character, Rayeon, is portrayed as someone who's basically a foodie, loves to eat, loves to cook and he just wants to open a dumpling store but he's actually a very clever guy and he passes the state exam to become an official. It says here in the office of special advisors. The previous inspector in this region of the country was killed and they need someone to replace the inspector. The other people with him are all like making excuses. He winds up being the inspector in that part of the country but a secret inspector. No one knows who he is. Episode one starts off a little bit of a comedic bent. We, we see Taekyeon, Rayon, and his uh, two, I guess they're servants, companions, goofing off a bit, just interested in food. You know, that's all he cares about is opening his dumpling shop. And she, Joy, is in a small village. She's married to a man who she accuses of being a gambler. She has a terrible relationship with her mother-in-law because her mother-in-law treats her very badly. And so she's trying to get divorced, which of course, during that time period, that was very frowned upon and was very difficult. She has to find witnesses to prove what she's saying about him being a gambler, which is very difficult because no man, it was mostly men gambling at, in the village, I guess. None of them are going to admit that they saw him gambling because then that, that would be admitting that they were gambling as well. So it's very difficult for her. She does have a good friend in the village who agrees to help her but her friend winds up being killed and we get kind of a reason why she well she finds her dead we don't know that she was killed but she probably was killed and it has something to do with a ledger that she had of course joy is distraught and wants to know what happens rayon happens to have arrived in the visit in the village when they found her body and he becomes curious he doesn't want to be he just wants to kind of be left alone but he can't help it he's a clever guy he becomes curious as to what 
happens. And at first he thought it might've been an accident, but then he realizes from what he's overhearing that she probably was killed. And so the episode ends with him and his companions arriving at the offices. And then we know the Royal Inspector has arrived. He's still in disguise. His servant is the one who's dressed up in the finery. So I don't know if in the next episode he's going to admit he's the inspector or if they're just going to be pretending that the servant is the inspector, but we shall see. I do plan to watch episode two. I'm not sure I'll stick with the show in the long run. There's another show, Happiness, which has started now at about the same time. And I'm also interested in watching that, although that's a completely different bent to that show. But for Secret Royal Inspector and Joy, I started off actually thinking, oh, I may not continue with this because of the comedic bents of it. It was a little bit too comedic in the beginning, uh, even though I like that sometimes. And actually, I think Taekyung's really good at that. But at the end, by the end, it got serious. We knew we were about to get into a mystery. And I do find that intriguing that Taekyung's character is intrigued, you know, and I want to see how he's going to go about solving this mystery, especially if he decides that he's going to keep quiet about exactly who he is. And also last but not least, we got a trailer for Cutie Pie, which is a BL, a Thai BL. It's one that actually finally has like a different kind of storyline. Although one of the main characters is an engineering student. I can excuse that just because of what looks like an interesting storyline. So far in that it's actually an arranged marriage storyline, which I don't know that we've seen in BL. I don't think we have, but this is the first arranged marriage BL I'm seeing. And based on the trailer, looks like we've got three couples. Z uh, plays the role of Hia. Kuo is played by Nu. And then we've got a couple that looks like they're from Y Destiny, I think. And then a third couple. So Nu's character, as I said, is an engineering student. Just based on what I'm seeing from the trailer, he looks like he's trying to put on a show for Hia for Z's character to what he thinks Hia might like. Hia looks like a businessman and so he's trying to play this perfect person and hiding who who he truly is. I don't think Hia appreciates that but at some point he realizes he wants to know who the real Kuo is. So just based on the trailer quote is actually decides he does not want to be engaged to Hia anymore and tries to break the engagement, but Hia doesn't accept it. So it looks like it's going to be kind of a push and pull. I don't know how angsty it's going to be. New's character is crying at one point in the trailer, so there is going to be some angst, but it looks good so far. The only thing is you get all excited about the trailer. You get all excited about the arranged marriage storyline, which is something very new. And then at the end of the trailer, it says like coming very soon, 2022. <laughs> Oh, 2022 is not very soon. <laughs> but let's just keep our fingers crossed we get it in time or at a good time and that we don't get the kind of delays we've been getting with other things you know, because of COVID restrictions and so forth. Let's hope that everyone stays healthy and everything proceeds in a good way and so we get it at least at the beginning of the year. So that is it. Uh, in the next episode, I hope to continue and finish watching more of Tasty. Florida. I don't know when Col Color Rush 2, if you've been looking on Twitter, there have been a, like uh, tweets that have been going out. They, somebody put a picture. I believe it's the, the actress who played the aunt put out a picture showing the front of the script for Color Rush 2. So that's exciting. Uh, the character who played Yuhan is, I'm sorry, the actor who played Yuhan is not coming back for Color Rush 2. We've got a new character being introduced. I think it was someone from Vix, I think from the group Vix. So let's see what happens there. I'm just excited for Color Rush 2 to finally be coming out. I know some people are really disappointed that 
the actor is not coming back. I wouldn't mind if they recasted him. It's not anything against the actor, but I don't want them to completely drop the BL storyline in favor of the mystery. I would still watch it regardless because I think it's a very interesting concept, but I don't want it to just be a mystery. I want it to be mystery and romance. And I don't want them to introduce a completely new character because that would kind of, in my mind, negate the idea of soulmate. So I think it makes more sense just to recast that character and act as if, you know, he's never left. It's just a different face, whatever. But um, I don't want him falling in love with someone else. That wouldn't flow with the idea of soulmates to me. But I don't know, maybe there's some way they could explain it. So I will reserve judgment on that. But I am looking forward to Color Rush 2. So that is it. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions for me, please feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at dramawatcher6 via email at dramawatchernotes at gmail.com. Whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, please consider liking and subscribing. Thanks again for listening and stay safe, everyone.